Well, as you can see, everybody, I'm still alive and well. Yesterday, of course, I drank a pesticide on the air. I know, much to the shock of my producer, I'm still alive. What was it made of? Orange peel, delimonene. Of course, it cures cancer, too. So we got a lot to do, thankfully, being alive today. In fact, someone we've been trying to get on the show for quite some time, Jeffrey Tucker. We used to cover his stories at AIEIR. IO, you know, all of these initials. Now it's easier. Brownstone Institute. We got that going on. So Jeffrey Tucker's going to be on. We'll cover a lot of ground regarding COVID, economics and such. Uh, and in an hour two, we're going to get, not that we ever get controversial, but Dane Wigington talks about geoengineering. What's going on? Are they spraying stuff above us? Are they dimming the sun? Is it, well, wait for that. We're going to get to that. But first we got to go through, uh, oh yeah, DeSantis. Remember yesterday, DeSantis, I was asking about the COVID jabs for the five months, six months olds and up. He had something to say about it. We're going to play that too. So stand by. Let's get ready. Share the show. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Chat room is alive and well. If you've got questions for Jeffrey Tucker, submit them now. We'll get to them. Thanks for being here. And let's get this party started. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. So our Department of Health has been very clear, uh, the risks outweigh the benefits and we recommend against. That's not the same as banning it. I mean, people can access it if they want to and parents can do. But if you look at when they were doing the hearing, you had one physician say, you know, parents are really, really frightened. Like we, we know that the risk is low. Uh, we're not sure how this is going to work, but we parents are really frightened about COVID for their kids. And which I would say is, why would they be frightened about it? It's because of media hysteria. It's because of a lot of misinformation. That's why they're scared. But to, to do an emergency use for a six-month-old or a one-year-old uh, simply to placate anxiety, that's not the standard when you're doing this. The standard is, is this something that's safe and effective? And then very importantly for recommendations, does the benefit outweigh the risk? And so that's what you're looking at doing. Uh, but the state of Florida has had the recommendation from five and up uh, for, for a while. We were the first state to do that. Um, and now from the six month to five, the, the state's recommendation holds. It's a recommendation against doing it. Well, that's pretty uh, studly of uh, DeSantis to at least do that. I'll give him props for it. Uh, placating anxiety, the new level of emergency use authorization. You know, it's an emergency. What's the emergency? Well, parents are anxious. Parents are anxious. So we must institute immediately availability of an injection of synthetic mRNA to, to ungodly terroristic proportions is what we're seeing in young people and adults now with a sudden adult death syndrome manifesting in those that have been jabbed once twice three times not maybe so DeSantis says we're not buying it we're not authorizing it at the state level we're not going to make it available through state agencies but you can still get it the, the next step would be to just ban it because it's clearly something that has not been uh, let's say validated in terms of safety and or efficacy and it is not a vaccine statutorily anyway They've gotten away with so much by calling it a vaccination. And even now, as we see on this show, interviewing many physicians over the years, they're now acknowledging going back before the dawn of mRNA technology injections that even the entire vaccine schedule is being called into question because they realize what I've been pointing out for years, many uh, like me in media that are holistically inclined, that double-blind placebo-controlled safety and efficacy studies 
are pretty important in determining and scientifically validating the legitimacy of any injection, whether it be pre-mRNA or mRNA. As we open up today's show, just want to let you know we've got uh, an incredible Incredible guest coming up, Jeffrey Tucker, in just a couple of minutes from the Brownstone Institute. You know, we cover almost an article a day from them. They're such good writers, especially Jeffrey. He's been at it for a long time. We'll get his backstory. We'll talk economics. We'll talk COVID. We'll talk all kinds of things with him. And if you have questions or comments, if you're watching us at robertscottbell.com slash listen, there's a chat room there. We are still apparently banned on Facebook, unbeknownst to us why. What have we said? What have we done this time? So the stream is not going out on Facebook Live today, but no worries. Y'all are here. Please share it for those that normally watch us elsewhere and all of the other places that uh, you'll catch the show. So thank you for being here. COVID-19 jabs for kids six months up to five years of age. Why? Or were they at risk? Was there an emergency? Is there an emergency? No. DeSantis put it well. It's an emergency of anxious parents. How many? The Kaiser uh, poll that they did among their uh, constituents or, or customers. They sent it out and said, how many of you, if the FDA authorizes EUA for COVID jabs for your six-month-old to five-year-old, five how many of you percentage-wise would be interested in getting the jab? Turns out over 80%, just a hair over 80% said, nope, not interested. That is a sea change. So it's now the vast minority that want this. And for those anxious parents, the FDA has complied and gave, given another gift to the pharmaceutical church. Now, there are some Republicans that are actually questioning the CDC and the FDA about this okay uh, for COVID-19 jabs. It's still, I, I don't know if you call it a Pyrrhic victory, if it's a victory at all, to have anybody of a uh, Republican variety actually speak out against these things. But why aren't they speaking out against every age group? Because the science and data clearly point to this is a disaster of proportions that are unfathomable as we look back or look currently at what's happening here. And there are folks like Steve Kirsch and his substack that are doing extraordinary work pointing these out, the dangers, the adverse events, the deaths occurring across the spectrum. And so, hey, great, there are some Republicans asking questions, some tough questions. Bill Posey, especially among them, concerned about the rush to mandate the one-size-fits-all policy. And that's another problem with intellectual vacuousness of both political parties when it comes to the collectivist ideology of modern medicine as it's applied via vaccination or vaccinology, one size fits all. And you'll see one of the most stunning statements, as I pointed out about this approval for younger and younger ages, they said, oh, well, we've reduced the dose to 25 micrograms. No, it's not a lot. I, I grant you that 25 micrograms, is a very small amount. But I want to say this, because for those of you who are parents, or if you're a doctor, pediatrician, a six month old, and a five-year-old set them side to side tell me how many more times larger is a five-year-old than a six-month-old a 25 microgram dose for a six-month-old is far different than a 25 microgram dose for a five-year-old and everybody in between this is collectivism applied into medicine as all vaccines are one size fits all you don't know how you're going to react and you're going to react and you're going to react even of those before mRNA injections. I just have to bring that out again because the problem with modern medicine is not that it exists at all because there's a place for it, but when it denies the actual individual realities of your biological you know, functions, your strengths, your weaknesses, and says, nope, everybody gets the jab, same dose. Oh, we'll modify it if you're a little bit younger. Yet over that span of six months to five years, it's an absurd statement to say a six-month-old should get the same as a five-year-old. Yet that's what they've done. That's what they've done. 
Now, bring it on, Super Don, our guest, Jeffrey Tucker. You have actually briefly worked with Jeffrey years ago, and we've been talking about getting Jeffrey on the show for quite some time. And, uh, you're, he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. Yeah. It's, it's not, he's not a diva. He's just busy. No. <laughs> no, you know what, Jeffrey? I, I had the privilege of working with him briefly um, on a podcast many years ago. Yeah. Uh, with our friend Kurt Wallace. And, um, uh, it was, I just, I, I'd heard of him before. Cause you know, mm -hmm. at the time when we were, when we were doing that, Bitcoin was a big deal, right? You know, mm -hmm. people were talking about Bitcoin. So like, I, I still today don't completely wrap my head around what a Bitcoin is, but yes. <laughs> that's how I got introduced to it. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and Jeffrey Tucker, I mean, he, he A to Z, he, he knows Bitcoin and, mm -hmm. and cryptocurrency and blockchain and, and all that stuff. Which again, uh, my my brain started to melt. Hey, well, both of us. It's I was our, trying to trying to understand it because I wanted to. It's not but, our area it, of expertise, but the thing is, what I love about him is he's writing with intellectual integrity on liberty, on 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 messages related to freedom, the fundamental well, common ground that we have. I'll here tell you, when I discovered yeah. the Brownstone Institute, because you know, show prep. That's what I do yeah. every day, right? Mm -hmm. And I came across the Brownstone Institute, and I was like, "Oh, look at that! That's a good article." And then yeah. I scrolled down. I'm like. Damn, that's a good article. And let's scroll down. Damn, damn, we could literally, we could do an entire show just on brownstone articles that come out, yeah. you know. And so I was really super impressed. And then I found out, oh, that's Jeffrey Tucker. No wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's you know, a bunch of other writers and stuff. Great. It's yeah. a great source of information. Great. Yeah, we hope you all are plugged in. You notice uh, when we bring up these articles uh, how much I enjoy covering them, and Super Don does too. But they go deep. Uh, it's not like a drive-by scenario, and and that makes it's good because we've got to intellectually engage in that. And I want to shout out to anybody out there in Pork Fest out there in New Hampshire. My son is there with the Goldbacks. Uh, give a shout out to my son Elijah if you see him there. The best hugger in the world, by the way, and that, he's won that award many times from people. But uh, talk economic realities, monetary systems, blockchain, anything's up for grabs today in discussion points. Let's bring in Jeffrey Tucker, now uh, from Brownstone Institute to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Welcome, Jeffrey. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the nice things you said. Well, it's we're sincere about it. I mean, honestly, we talk about you. Your ears should be burned. It's like, who is this RSB and Super Don? They're just annoying me at this point. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm glad you're here with us. Were you born into a family that appreciated liberty to the level that you've engaged intellectually? Or is this something that developed in your young years, through your middle years, to, to where you are now? I'm not sure about that. I think I think my, my father was kind of you know, was a Texan, you know. I was raised in Texas and West Texas. Uh, so maybe I was raised with that appreciation. I think he was kind of a Goldwater Republican. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he never, I, I, I don't remember ever being taught, you know, that these values. I think he sort of absorbed them in the household, you know, in some way. Uh, I really fell in love with the idea of human liberty. After I gave up um, a career in music, um, I thought, what else, what else can I do? Um, and I found economics. I thought, well, that's that's fascinating. You know, that's just the right interaction of of a, of a hard science plus a human science, and you know, it's intriguing. <clears throat> and it was through that that I discovered, uh, you know, the 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 mystery and magic of of human liberty itself. And I thought, well, you can never really understand economics until you can reflect deeply on the productivity of of and and meaning. Uh, social cultural meaning of, of liberty itself. So I, I just kind of fell in love with the topic and I've never let it, let it go. Well, the dilemma I see uh, with the, I say children, my kids now, they're, they're just past millennial age. They're the post-millennials, the Generation Z. 
And, and I see many in that age group don't have a clue about economics. Of course, we've raised our children on Richard Mayberry and Ron Paul and, and you mm -hmm. know, Mises and things. So they have a, a rather good working understanding. My son actually works and gets paid in gold like I taught him to do. Uh, so I'm very proud of him at 22 doing that. But at the same time, I see there's a lot of leanings in the younger generation towards more socialism and, and collectivism in terms of economics because they look at capitalism as an absolute abject failure. And I would say point out that there hasn't been real free market type capitalism in maybe decades, maybe a lot longer than that in America. So what we hear and read about may not actually be what exists. So people are so confused about systems of economics that what would be superior, better, worse, etc. Um, it's especially true now because of the corruption of the pharmaceutical industry and and big tech big tech working so closely with big government and 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 I, I was actually I've got to finish before the end of the day an article for the Epoch Times that I promised them um, to have to turn off uh, turn in tomorrow morning. I was thinking about uh, writing an article called "The Age of Graft." I mean, it seems, and it occurred to me because. Uh, I, uh, I was looking at the work of this this epidemiologist named Devi Sridhar, who's an American, but she teaches in Scotland. And she was just dominating the airwaves for two years, arguing for lockdowns and and uh, you know raising alarm about COVID nineteen and how we all need to stay home and how governments need to punish people who don't wear masks and need to have mandatory vaccines and all these things. Um, it's right at the end of the book, she slightly recants a lot of things that are in the first part of the book, which is pretty funny. I think, it's, you know, the time, time kind of calmed her down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I was noticing that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave $24.5 million to her very small department in the uh, University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Now, <clears throat> does that have an influence on uh, what she says? <laughs> I would say so. Uh, very likely. I mean, $24 million uh, is, is not a small amount of change. But it's, 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 it's come to this place where you get this, a lot of private money uh, pouring into these public institutions. And a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of writers for Brownstone, say that this is the corruption. This amounts to a kind of corruption of public health. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, that's probably right. So I understand how it is that people these days could get a little suspicious of what what you would call capitalism, you know, mm -hmm. meaning the profit motive and the corrupting the influence of, of private money and and so on on, uh, on public health outcomes. And I'm, my concern is, and and not to mention the fact that during lockdowns, it was the large businesses that were kept open and small businesses that were closed. Okay, so that's you know the influence of big business on on politics now is is egregious. I mean, even to the point of violating human rights. So I get how it is that people would conclude from this that uh, business is bad, the private sector is bad, private money is bad, and so on. Um, I don't think that's the right lesson to take away, though. Um, uh, I, I think you know, as you said, we don't really have what anybody would call capitalism. Mm -hmm. We have a really mixed system where uh, big government, big tech, and, and big, big business all cooperate uh, towards our kind of, uh, towards service, making us all serfs, you know. And exactly who's pulling the strings is never clear. You know, it's a hand and glove relationship, but which is the hand and which is the glove, I just don't know. Hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but, Jeffrey, but I, I, 
I'd like to see us go back to a, a nice, you know, system of, of market, of genuine markets rather than this right. corrupt system we have. And one of the area that the markets have been corrupted in our country, in the West, around the world in many places, but in the United States particularly, is medicine. It's been, it, it has, like Benjamin Rush was purported to have said that unless medical freedom was put into the Constitution, that medicine would organize into an undercover dictatorship. And, mm -hmm. and it really has created this uh, seeding underbelly of monopoly and domination over our mm -hmm. agencies that I don't believe many of them should exist, like FDA, for instance. And they have been captured, wholly captured, and they promote an agenda of, uh, you know, basically monopoly practice of one form of medicine, which is FDA approved toxic poison pharmaceuticals whether you believe in their righteousness or wrong what it doesn't matter it doesn't there's no opportunity because nobody can compete if you do whether you're in the medical field in the last two years with covid you found out that you don't have much freedom because of your license in fact you're restricted because of it or whether you're outside of that like i am as a homeopath for decades now speaking out about other ways to prevent disease much less remediate or recover from disease that's one area where I've argued that socialism is completely dominated in medicine, where it's become a collectivist adventure, if I can call it that. And this has been going on for at least a, a century, but, yes. but it's become at least a century ever since the Flexner report. Actually. Correct. Yes. Uh, but 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 these days it's getting really rough because um, I have friends of mine who in, in the early age uh, stages of COVID were alarmed. I mean, the, the NIH and the CDC have known about COVID-19 since, probably since October uh, at the latest, uh, 2019. They did nothing at all about funding uh, random controlled trials for repurposed drugs or therapeutics, nothing. And so, but you know, by the time uh, it became obvious to people that COVID was gonna be a problem, and nationally, uh, what was the first thing that happened? I mean, uh, Trump used the um, Defense Authorization Act or whatever it was to, to have GM build a bunch of ventilators and vented a bunch of people. And then we discovered, oh, that's bad. That's killing everybody. So then the FDA approves remdesivir. Well, that turned out to be bad. That was killing people too. And so on it went for a month. And then finally we got these vaccines. Meanwhile, you know, you've got these doctors out there with real clinical experience. We're dealing with real patients on the on the ground using repurposed uh, combinations of medicines from hydroxychloroquine to ivermectin to, uh, uh, you know, vitamin C and zinc and so on. Um, they were having real success with these drugs. And, and for, you know, fortunately, the rest of the world uh, embraced these things. And, and you know, and, and with great outcomes. In the U.S., uh, the doctors that were heavily involved in finding repurposed drugs for therapeutics in this period are now facing uh, uh, investigation by their medical boards and are in trouble for it, you know? I mean, my friend Pierre Corey just got a, a letter a couple of days ago. He might have his medical license removed. So, you know, what? that's a heck, a heck of a thing where you have genuine doctors with real experience and genuine medical training and vast mm -hmm. amounts of knowledge not allowed to practice. I mean, that, um, oh, not to mention the fact that a lot of these guys were prescribing FDA-approved drugs mm -hmm. that, that their patients could not buy at the pharmacies. I mean, right. you go to the Walgreens, you go to the CVS, they shake their head, no, we can't give that to you. What the heck? 
-hmm. you know, I mean, that, that is a, that is a, uh, that's, that's with, as far as I know, without precedent. You brought up uh, Pierre Corey. We talked about him yesterday, the, the going after him via licensing boards, threatening to remove licensure, licensure reform. And it's a concept now of weaponizing these boards against doctors who are willing to speak out based on clinical evidence that they're succeeding in helping people and that they are targeted for removal. Uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, a family physician in Minnesota, he's running for governor right now as a Republican there. And he said, if I'm governor, I will replace that board. And I'm thinking, well, it's a step, but you replace the board, the board's still there. How about eliminate licensing boards for medicine and almost everything else and well, allow for another way to go about free market? Uh, I you know, agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I don't think we're anywhere near getting to that point, but I may be wrong. I mean, you know, we're living in very interesting times where <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, people are really fed up and... And if the Republicans use these times well, uh, we could make some really dramatic changes that go to the heart of the operation of government in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that they understand the problem well enough is, is, is another issue. And that's, that's a lot of my writings these days is yeah. about coaching Republicans. You know, it, it's, it's a serious problem because they're probably going to take back the House and Senate in November. And, and probably state houses all over the country. Um, but we don't want these guys blindsided mm-hmm. by the, you know, the, the, the sudden discovery of this machinery out there, this bureaucratic administrative machinery that lives as an existence outside the electoral politi- political system. I mean, like, yeah. You know, the governor thinks he's in charge. It's, suddenly everybody says, well, you know, Mr. Governor, you can't really do that. Really? Why not? I mean, this is what happened to Trump, right? He, mm-hmm. came, he came to Washington and he said, I'm going to drain the swamp. And the strong, swamp screamed back, sorry, we won't be drained. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't have any power over us. And Trump was like, how could that be? How yeah, there was I a bit... That- of naivete, it was like this. Yeah. It works in business to do that. How come I can't do it in government? Yeah, and, and these guys don't understand, and it's a it's a major problem that we need to we need to get serious about thinking about solutions to this. And it's not mm-hmm. just about electing the right people. That's just a beginning, maybe, <laughs> but it's only a beginning if the people we elect are aware of what they're going to be confronting. Well, and, and that- that's why the Brownstone Institute and what you're doing, Jeffrey, and, and the writers there are so important, I believe, because you're actually taking it into a place where it's not superficial in terms of right, left, Hegelian dialectic. It's like going into fundamental perspectives. By the way, shout out to our friend Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center. He's in the audience now. He's really excited that you're on the show. He said he had the nice opportunity to meet you at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum years ago and got to ride from the airport to the event together. He's a big fan of yours, Jeffrey. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm headed up to Porkfest tomorrow. Oh, you are? Okay. So my son yeah. is there. They've got a booth, the uh, uh, Goldbacks. Have you seen the Goldbacks? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm excited to meet him. Um, I don't go to events anymore mm-hmm. uh, because, how do I put this? They're a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, But I do go to New Hampshire because mm-hmm. uh, I really like the version of of what you could call libertarianism. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the right term that they, that they uh, practice there because they practice it. They just don't preach it. And mm-hmm. that's, it's a different kind of world. I mean, it's like completely different from the Washington style 
political stuff. You know, they're 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 real practitioners and um, really good people. So I'm excited to meet up. There's three thousand people who are there right now. So oh, it's slammed. Yeah, my son is like morning tonight saying people are coming and trying to learn about different economic ways to interact and and of course uh, you know i appreciate the technology that allows for spendable gold that you hold on to you don't rely on trusting somebody to hold it for you that doesn't we've seen enough of banking throughout the ages that that doesn't always go well so trying to find ways to navigate the the tanking of the zimbabwe i mean the u.s dollar <laughs> is something we got to be aware of the dollar's in, in, in grave trouble right now, and we don't know how much bad, how much worse it's going to get. Um, and even if it doesn't get any worse, even if the inflation rate fell to zero, all the existing hell that we're facing in terms of prices and gas and mm -hmm. groceries and everything else, it's still, it's still, that just means that it's going to persist. So, um, you know, people today dream of going back to 2019 you know, I'm sorry to say, it's mm. it's never going to happen. I mean, even if the Fed hits its target of two percent, which it won't, yeah. Even then, it just means we're 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 dying more slowly. I mean, that's you know. So, so there there are and as speaking of administrative state, you know, I mean, the 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 Fed is part of that apparatus, and the 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 distance between the Fed and the CDC. Mm -hmm. Is not that great, and the FDA is not that not that big. There's they're the same <clears throat> sort of part of the same beast that's out there. Well, the Fed facilitates the the entire oligarchy. I mean, without the ability to print with no limit, how could they exist? This administrative state and the trillions that now it spends. And I remember growing up as a young young boy, if you will, through the years of Carter, when you had suddenly. The Fed had then raised, began to raise interest rates to, I remember, was it 16, 17, 18, 19%? My mother was in real estate. It destroyed real estate. Nobody could get a loan for anything uh, and could afford anything. And it seems like we're repeating that history, but with far more Federal Reserve notes transiting the, the planet and being the, 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 it's a petrodollar, right? Not a gold dollar. And the Ukraine uh, Russia thing and, and, you know, the lack of our ability to apparently produce our own. Uh, we have a vulnerability that may be different than the time when the interest rates went high and then Reagan came in and did a whole supply side thing. What can you tell us about your experience from then to now that might be same or might be different from the Carter years to the Reagan years? Well, uh, so the, in any kind of inflationary recession like, like we're headed to right now, uh, there are always two things at work. One is a, a broken monetary policy. But there's also a, a broken structural problems too. Um, in the case of the 1970s, you had uh, energy price controls and highly regulated uh, trucking and telecommunications and very high taxes. All these things contributed to making it very difficult to recover from the inflation and drove us into recession, which we had at the same time as inflation. But the the fix was not just Paul Volcker getting the money under control. It was a dramatic institutional change that happened from the very top. The deregulation of energy and, and trucking and, and communications combined with uh, uh, hands off in the antitrust realm and, and a general sort of uh, attempt to, to deregulate and free the markets and then dramatic tax cuts at the same time, all of which combined to uh, lead to much higher growth. And so we grew our way out of the crisis. Uh, we cannot do that 
under the current conditions where we have an administration that every day is uh, deploying uh, rhetorical um, attacks on fossil fuels and and as and and coal and nuclear and and tells us we need to live off the wind the wind and the, and the sun you know and, and 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 so there there goes eighty five percent of the way Americans use their um, uh, consume their uh, their energy and and at the same time very high you know high capital gains taxes even by world world standards and and a general sort of sort of love of centralization and compulsion and control. And so, so long as that, that piece of it survives and gets mm -hmm. worse, it doesn't matter what the Fed does. So the Fed, the Fed will not be able to contain this, much less fix it and, and, until we get to these serious structural reforms. Now, so how, how, how concerned yeah. are you for the, the, the dollar surviving this, especially with the rejection uh, across the world, potentially. I mean, obviously, there's a downside to China, which has taken our inflation. We've exported it to them and getting cheap yeah. goods. And then at what point do they say it's not worth it and we'll dump it even though it hurts us too? I mean, these are the the, the horrible days if people aren't aware of our, uh, uh, let's say, way of life and existence in America has been exporting inflation for decades and decades as opposed to now seeing it come home to roost. Yeah, it's a, it's a serious problem. I'm I'm less concerned about the death of the dollar internationally than I am uh, d domestically. And you're right to distinguish those two things. And people get confused because, well, people don't understand economics. But, you know, you pick up the newspaper and you're like, well, the dollar has new strength. New strength? Where? I mean, how can you... <laughs> How is that? How is that possible? Yeah, you know. Well, the thing is, the international exchange rates; these fiat currencies are traded against each other. So, mm -hmm. if you're the least bad on the block, you're still going to be dominant, right? right? And 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 for now, that's that's true with the dollar. So it's been, as a share of international reserve currency, its dominance has declined pretty severely. But I think it may still be at 65 or 70 percent, something like that. So mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a near term problem. And by the way, I'm not even sure it would be a problem if the dollar lost its status as the main reserve currency and something else took its place. I think uh, we could still be prosperous and peaceful. The biggest the biggest problem we have right now is uh, the, the domestic inflation and that, which is pillaging people and real wages. Are, are dramatically down over two years, you know, which is, you know, one of the, I think I called it the biggest swindle in American history. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they dumped a bunch of money into our bank accounts and yeah. then, and then everybody was happy. Then they, uh, then they got, woke up from lockdowns, went out to spend it and suddenly, um, they couldn't uh, buy much. They, they couldn't buy much. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't worth what it was before. So now you've got savings being depleted and debt going up at the same time that real wages and salaries are going down. That is to say, the amount of money you're getting in adjusted mm. for inflation is much lower than it was. Uh, it's 15% or so lower than it was two years ago. Yeah. And, and the question is, do the American people, I know this is a kind of a broader question, but maybe it's a percentage wise, clamor for more government intervention to save us or realize that it was the government intervention to save us that caused it. Yeah, this is, this is a serious problem because I mean, we're going to be facing a, a, we've already got a problem with sickness. Uh, we're going to be facing problems with rising poverty and people are going to be reaching out for the government for, for fixes, but, but there's no more money left. And it, it puts the Republicans in an awkward position because 
they're just going to be saying no all the time, even as everybody is suffering. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure that the party has the backbone to, to stand up to that because I don't think the conviction is, is yet there uh, to do something about it. I mean, the, everything had to... The, the creation of a Reagan in 1980, a lot of things had to come together. A lot of intellectuals working together. You had to get the right candidate. You had to get the right people in the right spot with the right mm-hmm. books. And and uh, you know, a lot of things had to come together. And and by the way, the crisis we're moving into right now is far worse than we faced in, in, right. in, in, in 1979. This is this is a disaster. I agree. I think it's different. And, and that's the thing. I, I bring this up to say, would it be possible for the things happening at a pork fest, right? Where libertarian ideology put into practice as opposed to maintaining a theoretical political philosophy about it. Uh, could these things be breaking out finally into uh, uh, an, an actual reality, not just a political philosophical reality because enough of the younger people, maybe not all, but they're out there in pork fest at every age saying, Hey, we we're trying this out. We're putting it to the test and proving that it can work like decentralized monetary systems within the States. The problem is, and I agree with that, and I think that's that's what you have to do. You have to do what you can to protect yourself. Um, uh, the problem is that when uh, civilization is sweeping to destruction, nobody is really safe. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we have an alternative but to throw ourselves into the intellectual battle. It's the only. It's the only. I mean, and the, and that's the only way that change is really going to come about. It's not by switching office holders. Right. I, well, we're in 100 percent agreement there. That's why I keep saying if these people don't know really what's gone awry and how long it's been in place to get to this point, it's like, oh, it's not a, a Biden problem. Biden's just a symptom of everything that preceded it. And even as you pointed out, Trump, as he tried to do some good things, was up against something that was so far bigger than him. One man couldn't do it. That's why I say there are no political saviors. But if the electorate or even the non-electorate starts living differently and stops participating in certain systems that cause their own demise and destruction, then the power starts to diminish, which was the warning from the founders. It wasn't about if we just put good people into office, we'll be fine. It was about, no, everybody holding that constitution in place and limiting the government so it wouldn't do what all governments had done before in terms of growth and tyranny. There's a huge push right now, too, to make the problem worse. Uh, The New York Times runs an article this morning about some big public health board recommending uh, that the CDC, we get rid of the CDC and replace it with a centralized public health agency um, that that would make it impossible for for something like Florida to to happen again. I mean, they're they're extremely upset right now that there was a South Dakota uh, and a Florida and a Texas. They want to eliminate the control groups and attack Mm -hmm. federalism fundamentally. And use public health as the the tool to to go in and control all of our lives. And let's not forget that um, in the name of public health, they shut our our churches. You know, he bringing that up, and I say, this is how disappointed I am in people of faith for letting that happen, or going to churches that that let that happen instead of uh, you know starting their own. At this point, it's just uh, that's a disaster as well to recognize that the government now claims power over your ability to worship. Uh, yeah, that's that, right. That's not and subtle. A Florida judge pushed back on the mask mandate from the CDC, and the CDC responded, you can't do that. You can't challenge our authority. Our, our authority is absolute. Uh, so so we've got uh, 
-hmm. two million dictators in this would-be dictators in this country in the form of the administrative state, and they believe themselves to to uh, uh, have that power independent of legislatures or uh, courts. So this is not American. This is not consistent with any vision of what liberty looks like. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what has to be attacked at, a, at its root. I can't even think of a more important priority. I don't know. There's so many priorities for, yes. for, uh, for incoming uh, Republican Congress. I mean, cutting taxes, deregulating and that sort of thing is really important, but 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 if for a long term solution, we have to we have to disable the power. Well, yeah, of the of the bureaucratic health state, I think our greatest, if among many, great vulnerabilities we have is that even the Republicans have deferred for far too long to the medical elite, as if they actually know something about how to manage a pandemic, real or imagined. And it turns out that uh, there was an effete response, you know, maybe ver a little verbalization, but nothing that really put a halt. To this nonsense with a few exceptions as you mentioned a little bit in south dakota and texas and some local areas florida desantis is a fascinating uh, journey right now uh in what he's done but even they often defer to the medical establishment who is in a monopoly position of control because homeopaths like me and naturopaths and herbalists and chiropractors all these other health professionals are never invited to the table to intellectually engage in, hey, this is what works, this is what doesn't, let's share. And now I'm seeing it happen on the ground as I've been meeting weekly with medical physicians and all of the, the, all of the various uh, varieties, if you will, of doctors are coming together and saying, hey, this is messed up. We need to cooperate in freedom. And, and so I think that's a big vulnerability that I've tried to hit ever since I opened up the microphone in 1999 that as, as much as we can have philosophies fundamentally that we would agree on freedom being a, so important, we often say, but, but, but in this case, it's too dangerous, like a germ, a virus. Now suddenly we have to give it up. Uh, people have a hard time believing in freedom because they don't know exactly what it's going to result in, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, the truth is that we don't know. And that's, <laughs> and it's that precisely that absence of knowledge that is why we need it. We need the freedom to discover the right path. Yeah. Um, and you want to appoint intellectuals who claim that they know the one true way. Well, you're going to give up your freedom and you're going to be met with despotism and it's going to fail. Yeah. So freedom is definitely the, 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 the best path forward. Even if you can't, if I can't, or you can't explain to people precisely what's going to result, at least you have experimentation and you have openness and you have dialogue. And, and that's, that's the system that, uh, that our, our founders believed in. Yeah, I agree. I think the answer to all of the questions about problems that have been created, uh, the answer is we need freedom. And, and you know, that's something that's lost to certain generations. And even those generations that have come before me that once embraced it have, because of the fear of the germ, the virus or whatever, or turning off their intellectual ability to critically think about things that they go, oh, I, there's that one area where I just can't handle it. Let's just turn it over to the doctor class, the public health officials. Public health is an oxymoron because it's a collectivist idea. And the reality is if we look back over the 20th century and improvements in, let's say, uh, mortality rates declining or even incidence rates declining to major diseases, they like to say it's the jabs, it's the vaccines, and then they ignore completely sanitation, sewage, hygienic practices, nutrition, 
And, and those that have intellectual integrity in the public health fields do acknowledge that, but they're not the ones that are the mouthpieces in the media or in the oligarchy, if you will, in public health in America, much less at the state and local level of public health departments. They're all on a collectivist, socialistic, communistic idea of medicine and health, and they don't understand that individually you get sick, individually you get well. You don't get sick or well as a group. That's right. Um, there's one other factor that really contributed very heavily to improving the health of people in the 20th century that's hardly ever acknowledged, and that is exposure. Hmm. So throughout most of human history, people lived in small, isolated tribes and didn't travel. And so therefore didn't meet a lot of pathogens and their immune systems weren't challenged to, to any great extent. And to the extent that they were, it was potentially deadly uh, for, for people. Um, after, after the rise of international travel and domestic travel in the late 19th century and throughout uh, the early part of the 20th century, <clears throat> especially with um, uh, people going here and going there, but also <clears throat> um, you know, d domestically traveling all around and, and the waves of immigration, you, you saw you know, the great pathogenic mix taking place. And, and, and if people were exposed to a much broader range of, of, uh, of pathogens that were out there. And, and that was the, the best thing that ever happened to human health. I and mean, even World War I contributed to this in, in a big way. And that's why you, one of the reasons you saw a huge expansion of, 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 uh, of, of lifespans that followed, uh, uh, followed World War I was just that our immune systems are incredibly scalable and they adapted yeah. to, to the new realities around us. And we became stronger. We, well, until very recently, had the strongest immune systems of any people in the history of the planet Earth mm -hmm. as a result of just this unrelenting exposure. Now, what's, what's weird about the COVID-19 response is it was exactly the opposite. It was fear the microbial planet. You know, run for your lives. Mm -hmm. uh, hide under your sofa for as long as possible. Yeah. This pathogen is going to come get you, and there's nothing you can do about it until we invent a potion uh, that for you to inject. You know, and how's that potion yeah. working out for Anthony Fauci? Well, you know, the 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 failure of effectiveness of these vaccines is one of the more striking. Uh, turns of events, and maybe you anticipated it the entire time. I mean, my own attitude towards this was I didn't think we needed a vaccine because it's a coronavirus and mutates too quickly, and it's not going to work. I mean, that was my attitude from the very sure. beginning. I'm not, I'm not a specialist in this field at all. No, but, but you, I, you saw it clearly in that regard, and that's a significant leap beyond most folks that have, like I said, critical thinking skills intact, but just didn't apply it in that realm. Well, you know, it's not so complicated i mean pathogens come in stable forms and they come in really uh unstable forms and every pathogen comes with its own built-in wardrobe of change of clothes right so and and some are 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 lend themselves to the creation of vaccines like uh, uh polio or uh smallpox because they're very very stable but others are uh are, are not that way and you can't vaccinate against against them because they change too rapidly. You're and right. And the, the history of coronavirus vaccines has been one disaster after another. Yeah, and we knew this going into it. I mean, we, we had a sense of what these this, this family of pathogens was like, and we knew the mutations would happen and the, and the variants would would show up, and that that uh, 
that the longer we delayed exposure, uh, the higher the threshold for herd immunity would become because the mutations are almost always, mm -hmm. maybe, I don't want to say always because, you know, but almost always uh, more prevalent and less severe because the, the viruses, you know, want to survive too, if you can put a... Well, you have to uh, describe yeah. some of those characteristics of viruses, which are technically not living things, but there's right. a lot, in fact, Jeffrey, I'll acknowledge uh, of debate and discussion about viruses as a causal factor, as opposed to being something else. I think we're going to look back on viruses and go, boy, did we get that wrong? But they're not even yeah. allowing the discussion. You know, no, that's too that's controversial, right. you know. So we knew that this thing was going to mutate into more prevalent forms. Uh, that would be inherently less severe because the virus wants to survive and it doesn't want to kill its host. Um, so, so you know, delaying the period of exposure meant that more people had to contract it. And now mm -hmm. we're at the stage where it's, it's almost, you know, I don't know what the, the threshold for herd, herd immunity was with wild type, but let's say it was 50%. And then with, with, um, Alpha, it rose to, to 60%. With Delta, it was 70%. And with Omicron, it's, it's, it's probably close to 90%, which is very dangerous for, for people who are vulnerable mm -hmm. to these viruses. And well, if, we had, if we had taken it on early mm -hmm. and said, I'm sorry, public health messaging, messaging should be about t telling the truth, yeah. um, you're going to get COVID, all right? So get healthy. Get well. Here's mm -hmm. your therapeutics. Get out there, live your normal life. If you get sick, stay home. You know that would not have increased the power of the bureaucratic state all that much. That it would have been the right message. And then, and then at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. you you tell vulnerable populations. We knew precisely who they were by late January. We knew precisely who they were. Uh, the the you know, the the infirm and the aged. All mm -hmm. right. Uh, and we know, too, that the uh, median age of death is equal to, uh, uh, from COVID, is equal to the, to the average uh, length of life. So, you know, I mean, it was, so we knew precisely. Uh, and, and the messaging should have been about the, the protection of, of the old. Oh, yeah, the vulnerable. The, exactly. While, while the rest of society goes about its business. Continues living. Pathogens. Sorry, you're going to get sick. Sorry. You know, but you'll shake it off and, and you'll be stronger for it. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's the uh, the reality. And for some reason, uh, for the last two and a half years, we've been unwilling to, to say this. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it doesn't matter whether you say it or not. The reality still exists. Yeah. And, and similarly with the vaccines, right? So for some reason, there was a hope against hope that the magic potion was going to fix everything. All right. So why did people believe that? I don't know. It's just an act of faith. I think it's in, in our immunological immaturity in terms of understanding the human immune and animal immune system, yeah. right? It's not that it's unknown, but it's not, uh, it's something that's sellable or that they want to sell to us because it's one that would empower people as opposed to disempower them and have them live in abject well, fear and, and terror. And, and also, you know, the, the, the vaccine companies themselves, we should, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if they give them credit, but they, they never claimed that this thing was going to protect you from from getting COVID or or or, no. or giving it to other people. Their their emergency use authorization uh, promised a reduction in severe outcomes for a very short period of time. I hope I'm not mistaken this, but I seem to remember reading that they're promising like 
two months or maybe it was even yeah. two weeks or something. I mean, it was a very minimal claims. And the, the UA was given on, on that basis anyway. And it was the political class and the and public health officials Correct. that were cited. Yeah. yeah, and the media that's like, oh, here's the magic cure and uh, it's, because, it's, because it's called a, a vaccine and, and everybody should get it. And and it was never viable, never, never plausible. And by the way, the vaccine companies mm-hmm. didn't mind the mandates because that means they've oh, yeah. got a, a guarantee. Uh, no liability. Rate. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, you'll do anything. And that's the, the thing where we find ourselves now, the reality of mRNA injections, it's destroying natural immunity. And uh, the, moving forward, they acknowledge that pretty much you'll have to get a shot every six months because you won't have any in, in natural immunity. That oh, doesn't just, seem like a viable it, way to move forward. It's just crazy. And by the way, uh, to her credit, Devi Shreerdhar, I can never say her name, actually says this at the end of her book. She says, this is this is ridiculous. Um, uh, what's, what are we going to have next? A, a f- f- <laughs> Pfizer with a, a punch card, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get you get six shots and you get a, you know, a, a, uh, yeah. a, a, a bear or something. And, you know, and uh, so she's, I, I think... It's hard to crawl into her brain, but I, I, I think she must have felt lied to in some sense mm-hmm. by the vaccine makers. A little yeah. bit betrayed. I think we should all yeah, be and, for that. And I think Bill Gates feels the same way. You know, he's he's complaining about these things too. You know, a lot. In he's the meantime, saying, yeah, go ahead. He said he said that the the uh, mandates don't but don't make any sense because they don't they have no these vaccines are are so limited in their effectiveness that they have no public health benefit. If you can't stop the transmission. There's no public health benefit. If there's a private benefit, great. Yeah. But there's no public uh, benefit. Well, so the and, and that, makes sense. The benefit of having a punch card, i.e., a vaccine passport, i.e., digital IDs, is complete control of the human population, right? And tying it in, as we saw in Canada, to your banks or in other countries that have threatened or actually done that social credit scores in China. Uh, I think the, the alarm bells here in America are not false alarm bells. I mean, they are really no. attempting to integrate our identity through digital means into bank accounts of digital uh, uh, currency, if you will, that are restricted if you do not behave according to the way whoever owns or controls the government wants you to. And that becomes the science fiction dystopian future that becomes present in reality that others, I think, warned us through fiction could and would happen if we fell asleep on on freedom. There's no question that that's what they want. I think what they did not anticipate was... By the time the vaccine mandates came along, people were already really upset. Hmm. You know, they've been kept at home. Their business has been they're kept at home. Their business have been shut. You know, uh, their lives are ruined. Their kids were kept out of school. And so the next message from public health was get a shot. And there, a lot of people just said, look, no. So you've got a third of the American public who said, forget it. This is stupid. And then another third mm-hmm. who went along, but only to keep their jobs. And they're mad, too. They're done, so yeah. everybody's mad about about all this stuff. And and it's it's incredible because um, what they've done is discredited uh, the, the public health. For, oh, yeah, completely. For and I think it's a, it's a generation. It's about time, as I said, outside of certain measures that I would say are legitimate, but not in a socialistic, communistic way, but in, a, in the benefit to individuals and their health. And that's the way we must look at it, because I am not a collective. You are not a collective. You, you have a strong immune system. You have a weak immune system. What can you do to do that? It ain't going to be what government does in that reality. Yet they're trying to convince us that. And um, I think really dis- disconnect us from the source of our true power, which is our, as our founders recognized, was not government. 
but the fear of, uh, of disease, of infection, of, of these things has kind of driven us into the arms of a centralized bureaucracy that pretends it can take care of us and protect us. I try to follow the trends in healthcare spending, and you see that it, it collapsed during the pandemic, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't, it hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this, I think, has something to do with people's incredulity. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it takes something so outrageous that you finally go, the emperor is butt naked and ugly. I finally see it. <laughs> I didn't want to. And there's still a lot of folks living in cognitive dissonance. But I'm welcoming all the medical professionals, nurses, doctors alike to join us here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We've been talking about this for now decades, in fact. And you're welcome here because many of you have, have realized that your system that you've been raised into, if you will, professionally is so corrupt that, uh, you know, many are, do- many are meeting with me and others to try and set up a parallel type system that is not beholden to public health agencies that are doing everything wrong, the opposite of what should be done. These docs are not stupid, but they're recognizing they're controlled by the licenses as the nurses are. Many have been willing now to quit uh, their lifelong dreams of working in yeah. medicine because they you know, are either forced to take a jab or, 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 or quit or other reasons now that they're witnessing in terms of increased mortality among young people after getting these jabs. Yeah. That's a, a story still hasn't been fully told. And, and there's a lot more to go. Yeah, there's a lot of brave uh, people on the front lines out there. Uh, who you know stopped venting people when they realized that people were dying from mm-hmm. from it, and uh, a lot of nurses that bravely faced COVID uh, got sick, got immunity, and then they were told to get the vaccine. They just said, "Look, this is too much. I'm out." I, I get correspondence all, truly all day, you know, every day mm-hmm. uh, from people in in the medical professions who are just outraged at what's happening and and looking for solutions and it's it's a it's a tremendous mm-hmm. tragedy um what they've done and <clears throat> you know we're t- i'm talking to you on a day the day after i think maybe two days after the fda authorized uh, the vaccines for toddlers and you don't have to know that much about covid and 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 the shots yeah. To know that this is, uh, there's no basis for this. Well, as DeSantis said, the EUA is to placate the anxiety of the 20% of parents that are actually anxious about their kids in COVID. The 80% that responded to the Kaiser survey said, not really interested in getting the jab, even if the FDA says it's okay. So, well, it's ex- it's exploitative of, of people who are not listening to your show or reading the Brownstone Institute, yeah. you know, and, and the people who trust. And <clears throat> it's a, it's really... Uh, a grotesque example. You know, people forget this, but two FDA, uh, uh, the top vaccine experts of the FDA resigned mm-hmm. in protest over the boosters uh, yeah. authorizations. Yeah, and, there are people that are walking away. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, I'm glad you're not walking away. And I'm glad you're doing your amazing work at brownstone.org. I hope everybody signs up for alerts there. And uh, it's like a deja vu moment for me right now, Jeffrey, having you on because we cover your story so often. It's like you've been here before, even though it's your first appearance on the Robert Scott Bell show. I hope it won't be the last. I certainly enjoyed, uh, having the discussions we've had and the answers and solutions are in freedom. I agree. Well, have me back. I, I, I this, this topic is, is not going away. The reason I, I took it on so heavily is that I realized that, uh, that it is, everything's at stake, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about human health. You really are talking about our lives and the way yeah. we live our lives and the kind of quality of life we have. And if government's going to mess that up, they can mm-hmm. mess up 
anything and everything. Yeah. Well, safe journey over to the Pork Fest in New Hampshire. Uh, if you Thank see you. my son, he looks like mini me uh, at the at the Goldback booth. Give him a shout out. And uh, I appreciate so much all you're doing. I look forward to having you back on when your time permits. Thanks so much for having me. All, the all best. right. That's Jeffrey Tucker, Brownstone Institute. And we have links up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com every day, two hours a day, six days a week. Plus, uh, also shout out to our friends at Orange Guard. Uh, you guys saw me. If you watched the show yesterday, it was a sudden like, oh, you know what? I'm going to show you how safe Orange Guard is, this delimiting pesticide. I'm going to drink it. And I squirted it in my mouth yesterday. You got to go back and see that. Superdon might do the, the best of cuts. That might make it. Uh, but if you go to orangeguard.com, we have it linked up natural, powerful pest control that is not harmful to you or your animals. Uh, in fact, I've been in the, the greenhouse the last few days with it, testing it, push, putting it to the test and spraying it on my organic plants. And none of these organic plants are harmed in any way, shape or form, nor was I by spraying it. I'm not saying spray it in your mouth. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just showing you that's how safe it is. And so check it out, pick it up. You know, it's bug season. And we don't have to poison the planet to address the bug problem you don't want in your house, for instance. That Orange Guard is amazing. All right. With that, uh, I'm going to take a break. Uh, next hour, Dane Wigington is going to join us. We're going to talk about geoengineering, geoengineering watch, and uh, very controversial subjects regarding uh, the alteration of our atmosphere, the weather. What's the purpose? Is it real? Is it not? Why is it so controversial to talk about, much less uh, investigate? That and more coming up, including upcoming events we'll let you know about on the other side of this break. Stick around. Tell your friends. We are apparently banned on Facebook again. We don't know why, but uh, tell your friends that usually catch us there to come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen and sign up for email alerts by texting RSB to 22828. RSB for Robert Scott Bell. RSB to 22828. And we'll be back after this because the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, this hour we're going to explore the unexplorable, discuss the undiscussable, look up at the skies and see things that you're not supposed to see. Geoengineering, how is it manifesting? Why is it happening? We're going to try and get to some answers. And one of the guys that has probably been more prolific in his interest in investigation, Dane Wigington, is is, is going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, I just want to acknowledge some things that are coming up uh, on the on the show, of course. Uh, and also uh, events that we're going to be heading out to. Uh, the next one is the Red Pill Expo. And uh, I wonder if Dane's ever done the Red Pill Expo. That would seem like a natural uh, as far as a topic to cover there. But uh, that's G. Edward Griffin. Uh, and, of course, his book, The Creature from Jekyll Island and a World Without Cancer. He's really started, uh, you know, a wonderful tour that's happening one or more times a year. This one coming up is going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, July 9th and 10th. And if you can look on the banner in upcoming events, you'll see how to participate in that. I will be speaking. I will be the MC there and uh, weaving the red pill stories all the way through. So that's coming up. There are other upcoming events as well. Uh, you've heard about the IGF-1 uh, we get from Neutronics, this IGF-1 Plus product. I've been utilizing it for a few months now and gained muscle mass. Uh, it's been an amazing journey as well because I've been wanting to put on weight. I know that annoys some people that want to lose it, but uh, it's not about weight loss or weight gain. It's about 
fat loss when it's especially toxic fat and muscle gain. And there's a lot of benefits to pr producing HGH within the body rather than synthetically derived uh, that you can get. Plug into this uh, the website. What is it? What is it? Keys to life shop. Super Don. Uh, I think we just you click yes. on it. You'll get the deal. It's like buy one, get two things free, which is great. And, you know, I don't do I need to show my muscles now? You tell me to, to not or to do no, it. I'm not sure. We don't need to see your muscles. Oh, come on. Really? You're not letting me show Jeez. off. What a ham. You're going to see the efficacy of the product. Now, another thing we're going to do for those of you who are patron supporters, I'm still committed to doing this. This is the IGF one plus platinum 300,000 retails for 300 bucks. Apparently if, if you can get it for 50% off with auto ship or something, but 150 bucks worth and one pretty fortunate patron supporter this Saturday, uh, the 25th of June, we do lots of fun giveaways. Thanks to those that support the show. And, I'm going to give this away, but it's got to be a really tough trivia question, Super Don. It's none of the easy ones to earn this one. I'm just saying. I'm thinking I'm going to wear like a fake mustache and a hat and stuff like that so I can participate. Because that's <laughs> You want to win this too, don't you? That's a so, heck of a Yeah, that's, a heck yeah, of a that's the right fun there. stuff. We'll see what else we can do. But please uh, sign up for a Patreon support. It's a little as five bucks a month. And uh, you, you get access to the, the Sunday radio broadcast in advance by 24 hours. Yep. All kinds click of on the, the on the oh. banner on the website. So we're on the right hand side. It says Patreon. That's yep. all it says. Patreon. You just click yeah. on that, and uh, you'll get to see what that's all about. Yeah, very cool. And there's loads of other things that are up and coming. I thoroughly enjoyed having Jeffrey Tucker on, and I know it took many years to get him to come on the show, but I think it was well worth it. Uh, it felt like a deja vu at the end. I there, could like, listen to Jeffrey Tucker read the phone book. Yeah, I was I, definitely I just, yeah. underdressed just, yeah. with his bow tie, but he he was that's his thing. The bow tie yeah. and the glasses. But All yeah, right. what a, yeah, that was a great that was a great hour. Any other updates, breaking news before we bring Dane into the mix? I've got a, a lot of things I've got to ask Dane about uh, geoengineering, of course. But uh, yeah, well, we'll we'll get to get to it towards the end of the hour. Okay. Well, like I said, without further ado, as you can see, I'm still alive, drinking yes. Orange Guard yesterday. Yeah, um, you got me on that one. I yeah, I shocked Super Don. He had no idea that was. I had no I idea. Like, that you're was gonna that. do what? What? <laughs> this is the thing I do to to show you the legitimacy of the things we bring to you every day or six days a week, anyway, on the Robert Scott Bell Show. So, all right, our two guests. I, it's, it's hard to imagine this is the first time this guy's on it, and Dane may have a better memory than I have. Uh, Dane Wigington, uh, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Is it possible you've never been on my show before? Because I obviously know about you. I've talked about you for years. First time ever. I think this is our first uh, together exchange. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's make it worth the wait. It's a subject that, you know, there are certain things that are so controversial that almost no one wants to talk about it, right? Look up in the sky. It's what is that coming out of an airplane? It's not a contrail. Now people wrongly call it, I guess wrongly. I mean, chemtrails, but your concept is geoengineering. This is an idea of altering the atmosphere, the weather, for specific purposes and reasons. Why is this controversial at all? I mean, that it's done, do people just not believe it's done? Or what is the controversy of, of all the controversies of geoengineering? I think certainly people understandably are threatened by the notion that their government and others would intentionally interfere with the planet's life support systems on a global scale. And as far as the terms we used on this, certainly amongst personal conversation, the, the chemtrails term is not a problem, but where it becomes a problem is with any sort of official source, any mainstream media, that is the instant marginalization term. Mm -hmm. If people search that term online, they come straight to conspiracy theory and hoax, not science. So we're simply trying to 
make people understand that we're playing chess. We need to learn how to play well. If we lose the, use the science terms, we aren't easily marginalized. And quite simply, Robert, this is playing God with the planet's life support systems, and it is not a benevolent attempt. That I need to make that very clear. This is not mm -hmm. governments trying to do something for the greater good or the common good. This is using weather as a weapon and understand that by being able to blame nature for whatever happens, this mm -hmm. is the crown jewel weapon of the military industrial complex, the weapon with which they can bring populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they're under assault. And it's also, and I'll leave it at this, this is a means by which with various forms of climate engineering operations, which include engineering winter events, chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. We talked about that briefly off air. They can engineer radical surface cool downs, sensationalize the headlines, and thus confuse and divide the population as to the true state of Earth's life support systems collapsing. Mm. So there are many layers to this. It's not just this or that. Right, I agree. And I think you brought up a fascinating statement that we've covered for many years within the medical circles, this man playing God. And people are now coming to that awareness that in fact the medical or pharmaceutical community regularly believes or perceives itself to be more intelligent than that which created the universe, right? We can alter your immune system. We can replace your immune system with Same. synthetic mRNA. And it's like, oh, wait a second. You've now understand that that's going on in medicine. Why is it so hard to believe that it's also going on atmospherically? Is that just too much? Same mentality. Exactly. And, you know, how many pharmaceutical commercials do we see take this for a particular symptom? And by the way, here's the 50 side effects that are exponentially worse than what we claim to be treating in the first place. And this is important to understand with the medical industrial complex and the climate science community and climate engineering. Those in power are well aware of the fact the planet can no longer support populations. And I realize that is a very unpopular notion. People want to avoid it, deny it. And somehow, if you acknowledge that fact, you're agreeing with those in power. It's not agreeing with them. They, they created this paradigm. They're the ones that are most responsible for this paradigm, which has painted us into an unbelievably dark corner. And the mathematical, statistical fact of the matter is we are free-falling into famine, food shortage. It's happening now. In fact, just two days ago, United Nations just announced, they're, they're, not that we like that organization, but they're cutting the rations in half to those that are already starving to death because there's not enough to go around, period. Photosynthesis, for those that don't know, stops at 104 degrees. It stops. No more plant growth, no more crop growth. It tapers down to that point. So we see when we see changes in Northern California, which is the breadbasket of the country in many ways, we were from an artificially cooled scenario, seeding clouds with chemical ice nucleating operations. Two days ago, we were in the 50s. Now we're in the triple digits, going to 110 tomorrow. Again, no photosynthesis. And it's not just that the growth stops, it's that the plants are dying at that point. And the ozone layer is, is also disintegrating. That's something we've been lied to about for a very long time. We're getting UVC on the surface right now. That's an existential threat by itself in which we may have as little as 18 to 24 months before functional ozone layer collapse. Robert, and nobody is talking about these issues except geoengineering Washington, Oregon. We hope that that changes. Do you remember the ozone discussion happened decades and decades ago and they said, oh, it was DuPont's Freon. And then they replaced it with Puron. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird because the Freon patent had, had expired at exclusivity and they were no longer profiting in the same to the same level. And I thought maybe it's cynical, but from a business perspective, it'd be great to lobby the EPA to ban a product that is, is generically available for cheap and force them to make us make them buy our new product, which has a patent that will claim doesn't harm the ozone layer. But does it 
really impact it negatively or is there something else going on artificially purposefully to thin that layer to allow certain aspects of uh, cosmic radiation through the atmosphere that normally wouldn't get to the ground well first certainly there are disaster capitalists no shortage of them in this equation and the disaster capitalists will always try to line their pockets with loot until the ship completely goes down but that is happening right now in regard to the damage that the cfc's have done that's real but a very small part of the equation climate engineering by far the biggest part the particles that are being dispersed by jet aircraft and these are particles for those that are still caught up in the contrail narrative these are not contrails they are sprayed particulate dispersions we have up close film footage of nozzles visible turning on and off end of debate on the issue it's not condensation and all military tankers and all commercial aircraft are fitted with a high bypass turbofan jet engine it's a jet powered fan 90 percent of the air that moves through that engine is not combusted that engine nearly incapable of producing any condensation trail except under rare and extreme circumstances this is not condensation so what they're dispersing has a an extremely detrimental effect on what's left of the ozone layer and they manipulate these particles with radio frequency microwave transmissions from a massive global network of ground-based transmitters so from all of these directions the ozone layer is being ripped apart and with the military industrial complex and you know this based on your coverage of pharmaceuticals the more damage they do the more they ramp up their programs in the incredibly insane attempt to mask the damage that their programs did in the first place. Like, the, again, back to the pharmaceutical, quote, cure, you take one, you get 50 side effects, you have to take 50 more, you have to have, take 100 more for those side effects. It's, it's a complete track of insanity. But there are many layers to this equation. And again, in order to keep business as usual, climate engineering, that's a key part of the equation to mask from the public the severity of damage being done while yet inflicting more damage at the same time. And these chemical engineered cool downs, like the, I think we talked about off the air, mm -hmm. just happened while we're having 10,000 cattle die in Kansas from 110 degree heat, 100 degrees at night. We're having a snowstorm in New York. Think about that. Well, it's a very isolated incident. We just, you, you made us aware of that. Uh, Super Don, you found that article uh, on, was it Mount Washington, New Hampshire, or is it in Vermont? trying to see where that article is i don't know what that clicking is every time i'm talking i can't understand what it is i noticed uh, kevin commented on that as well i'm not sure what's going on we're having a while. little it seems like there's a, a little bit of a problem with the um signal strength here and we have everything set up normally as we have but one thing that may be a factor again the temperatures here are skyrocketing today and we're up in the triple digits that can affect uh, the cell site transmissions we're all wireless here i'm in the middle of the wilderness area and we're having a lot of um technical issues now because of the intense heat that's uh now becoming the norm okay well i'm trying to figure out we'll, we'll we'll manage our way through it best we can uh bear with us as uh we try to get the audio out in a way that you could still understand everything that we're saying but your argument here and there's the article about a mountain hiker dying after rescue and snow 80 mile an hour wind gusts uh it basically almost at the summer solstice it is a bizarre event I'm not saying that anomalous weather events can't happen naturally, but there's an, enough question about man's arrogance and his willingness to, to monkey with the atmosphere uh, artificially. Of course, they're doing it to the human and animal body. Why would it be unusual for them to extend it out to the Earth's body, so to speak, through either electromagnetic radiation or other technologies, uh, you know, cloud seeding? These things are patented. Are they not available to... to to look at and, and, and really validate that they, the technologies exist to do these things? 
encourage people to search geoengineeringwatch.org, extensive list of patents. There's about 150 plus there now, going back 100 years, over 100 years. Uh, many new from the last two or three years. So this is business as usual. And in regard to the normal cloud seating, Robert, that everybody knows about, has heard about, they see a single propeller engine airplane with a few flares in the wing, and they don't seem to have a problem with that. They acknowledge that exists. But somehow when it comes to the government using a tanker that carries 100 tons of material, they can't accept that and don't want to talk about it. Bottom line is the normal, quote, regional state weather modification programs or cloud seeding programs are nothing but red herrings to take the focus off the giant military tanker dumping a swath from horizon to horizon, dumping, again, 100 tons per payload. We've just calculated, working with a major institution, globally recognized science institution, the amount of tonnage. This is based on extrapolation from the material in precipitation samples. We've just taken hundreds of them. And you calculating and extrapolating with that data, the amount being dumped into our skies annually by global climate engineering operations from governments all over the globe, including and cooperating, is somewhere in the range likely of 40 to 60 million tons of nanoparticles being dumped in the atmosphere. This is aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, and now we know graphene as well. And the graphene is not only used as an ice nucleating element for the processes I just described, creating engineered surface cooldowns, turning what should be a rain event into a frozen precipitation event, massive hail, and so on. But graphene is also used as a biological carrier, which means it could be used to carry a pathogen from the cloud to the ground. Why wouldn't they use these methods? when they know that's been business as usual. As of 1977, officially, we had 239 cases of the U.S. military carrying out biological experiments on U.S. populations, open-air biological experiments without the population's knowledge or consent. This is business as usual. We've covered some of these stories over the years. And I think that to some degree, the, the difficulty you've had over the years to make this information land is that it's, over, it's almost too much or it's overwhelming. And it's also something that people feel so disempowered that what can I do? Uh, it's just too much, right? I'm sure you've been met, you've met that kind of response over the years as well. Certainly, it's overwhelming, but I would argue, again, if we're standing in the middle of the freeway at rush hour, we're much better off facing traffic than turning our back to it. Hmm. And ignoring this issue won't make it go away. Hiding in our cabin of the Titanic won't make it, it won't prevent it from sinking, if you will. So we must face this issue. Geoengineeringwatch.org is focused on what's happening in our skies because it is the biggest hole in the bottom of the boat, period. It is the greatest and most immediate threat we collectively face short of nuclear cataclysm. It's connected to everything else, including the pathogen scenario. The whole CB19 scenario and whatever other pathogens they have in store for us is the controller response to biosphere collapse. And the biosphere collapse part is what we hope that more in alternative media will address because that is the bottom line factor fueling all of it. They can't maintain business as usual any longer. They know it and they are doing their best to thin the herd as fast as they can. As unpalatable as that conclusion might be, it is absolutely data-based. Geoengineeringwatch.org has said this was coming for the full length of our existence, a decade and a half. We're here now. It's not going to stop. We're not going back to normal. In fact, the question is now, will anybody survive what's coming? And I would argue if we can't stop what's happening in our skies, the answer is no. No one will survive, including those that go underground. 
when we destroy the planet's protective layers of atmosphere, starting with the ozone layer, it starts processes that can't just be turned off. It's called Venus syndrome, and we are on that track right now. And, and I want to stress, Robert, this is not about the hypocritical environmental organizations that are have behaved with unimaginable contempt, that their attorneys have told our attorneys at geoengineeringwatch.org that they don't want to address the climate engineering issue because they don't want to lose their 501c3 nonprofit. So they're ignoring the single most destructive human activity of all in order to protect their nonprofit status. And that is simply criminal. Same with the religious organizations are doing exactly the same thing. Spiritual institutions are protecting their 501c3 nonprofit, going completely against their own scripture, that they are, they are required to face this kind of an issue, this kind of an attack against creation, if you will. So bottom line is we have to deal with what's happening in our skies or we will soon have nothing left to salvage. And at any mo moment in time, and I'll stop with this, at any moment in time, those in power, if they feel they're losing control, they can put a much more lethal mixture into what they're dispersing, and it's game over for all of us anytime they choose. Well, Dane, it seems a wee bit short-sighted for those elites if what they are doing would lead to their demise as well. Are they hopelessly naive or such megalomaniacs that they can't see the consequences of their actions? Very important question, and I would argue this. does We know that the most addictive factor of all is power. Power is very blinding to those who crave it. It makes them like cells of a cancer. Does cancer intend to kill its host? No. Cancer intends to proliferate unchecked. The host eventually dies. And that's exactly what we're facing. We're dealing with a cancer, a headless, heartless, soulless beast, every part of the cancer playing its individual role in the play, pursuing its own perceived gain, profit, the disaster capitalists, all of them participating in this, none of them considering the consequences of their actions. And we know from psychoanalysis, this is straight from the manual, that the common thread in the various forms of psychosis that those in power uh, are, are ailed with is, quote, this is right from the manual, a near total lack of comprehension as to the consequences of their actions, even to themselves. How much have they done to themselves already? They've detonated 2,400 nuclear bombs all over the globe. That's contaminated every living thing in the web of life, including them. They have enough nuclear weapons to destroy humanity about 10,000 times over, and they're building more. We have Fukushima, triple nuclear meltdown, no end in sight, no technology to fix it. Chernobyl's about to become a problem again because the sarcophagus is disintegrating right now. Same with nuclear deposits, repositories in the South Seas and so forth. And yet, we have 440 nuclear plants online and we're building 60 more now, any one of which can be an extinction level event. And as they destroy the ozone layer, this is weaving climate engineering back into the, the equation. And now we're very susceptible to a CME, a coronal mass ejection, i.e. solar flare. Now we have grids shut down around the globe and nuclear plants that can't cool themselves. Now we have Fukushima times 100 or 200, game over. From every conceivable direction, what's happening in our skies is pounding the nails into our collective coffins. We have to stop it or we're not going to be here long. Dane, it's, uh, as you know, overwhelming to consider the things you're uh, addressing. And yet I don't want people to, as you say, turn their back to traffic, put their heads in the pharmaceutical sand. There's a documentary film that we have linked up at geoengineeringwatch.org called The Dimming. Is that a good place that people can kind of start to learn about what geoengineering is? Thank you for bringing up our groundbreaking documentary. Yes, The Dimming, available for free. From the moment we completed that film, at great effort and expense, we made that film available for free to everyone. And that is the most complete and inarguable 
expose of climate engineering available. Our team acquired, again, great effort and expense, a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab. We put top scientists in that aircraft. We took it to altitude, sampled what heavy aircraft were emitting, processed those samples at one of the world's most recognized uh, research institutions. We found exactly what we knew we would find, <laughs> starting with aluminum nanoparticulates, primary element in climate engineering patents. And that's because aluminum is very reflective. That's the stated goal of solar radiation management is to put light scattering particles in the sky to reflect some of the sun's incoming thermal energy. We have the entire global science, so-called science community. They don't deserve to be called scientists at this point, neither do climate scientists, but we have their entire community talking about climate engineering, that they could, may, might need to put jets in the sky and spray these particles if things get bad enough, as if it's not been happening for 75 years already with cataclysmic results. And now, Robert, this is very important. As of a month ago, and we're, we were surprised to see this from NASA, NASA issued a, the most comprehensive report of its type that completely obliterated the entire premise for climate engineering operations. And their premise is based on the fact that they have always stated officially that large-scale volcanic eruptions had long-term cooling effects. Geoengineeringwatch.org argued that, refuted that from day one. It only creates short-term cooling at the cost of a far worse overall warming, totally disrupted hydrological cycle. Everything we see happening on the planet now, destroyed ozone layer, and now we have a report from NASA that confirms exactly that, which means the entire premise for solar radiation management arguments is completely false and flawed. And we've had no recognition of that report from anyone in the science community because there's too many people too deeply invested in this insanity and it's being used as a weapon. That's the bottom line. This is a weapon. And that's what they're not about to let go of. All right. So as we uh, wrap up from the intro, I would encourage people that want to learn more, definitely go to geoengineeringwatch.com. Uh, We've got it linked up and the dimming uh, documentary film. Um, think about leaving people with some level of we're not doomed. We're not all going to die. There is a way out of this mess and perhaps provide some practical options for folks that want to step up and do something. I'll say what I know I can say while standing on the truth. And here's the truth. If we remain in the current course, mathematically, statistically, no one gets out alive. And that's, that's again, I, I stress that. If you're driving a car straight off the edge of a cliff, you can say statistically, you stay on that course, you're going to die. Correct? time to change course. If we can change course, we may yet be able to salvage some part of the planet's life support systems. And that involves stopping what's happening in our skies completely, allowing the planet to respond on its own. You spoke about the miraculousness of the human body and I completely concur with you. You cannot come close to what the human body can do on its own. Same is true with the planet. But right now the planet's literally drowning with a toxic straitjacket of climate engineering and that must stop. And that will take all of us to do that. If we can do that and allow the planet to respond on its own, the response may be more profound than any of us can imagine. That doesn't mean that we can keep doing business as we have. And again, I have great disdain for Mr. Gore and the environmental groups, and they're all part of the power structure, complete hypocrisy. But we've been very poor stewards of the planet. I don't think anyone can argue that. What we would state at geoengineeringwatch.org is we can't have any legitimate discussion about the climate from any perspective without first and foremost addressing the climate engineering onslaught, the single biggest piece of the puzzle. If you share credible data from a credible source, and I stress that point, you can't just point at the sky, rant, use non-science terms. You're not gonna gain ground in the battle that way. 
A picture is worth a thousand words, and we offer our very high quality printed materials at geoengineeringwatch.org for less than our cost. I want to stress that point. We are losing money on what we mail out. But we're trying to make our printed materials available because that is exponentially more effective than pointing at the sky and ranting. And if you pass on that credible data or share a link from your computer for free, share a link, find authors of articles. Uh, elected officials, which are, again, just part of the cancer on every side of the political fence, share the dimming. Help us to overcome social media censorship of that most profoundly important documentary. Share it via email from the homepage of our website. Help us to reach a critical mass of awareness, Robert. And if we can reach that critical mass of people in the military know they're literally killing themselves along with the rest of us, we may have a chance of stopping these programs from the inside out. Dane, the uh, I just have to ask you about these. looks like paintings behind you. Are they... Uh, uh, mimicking the particulate that's being sprayed up above you. They're kind of cool, though. <laughs> well, those are uh, my father-in-law is was the dean of the Lithuanian Academy of Art, a world-renowned uh, institution, and those those are his works. And and um, as to weave this in with your earlier conversation, unfortunately, um, he is not in good health. He's been in emergency rooms from three hours after he had his initial COVID injection. Mm-hmm. Been in and out of emergency rooms ever since. So yeah, let's, weave so this, to hear that. Let, let's weave this into your earlier conversation that uh, the damage that that's doing back to biosphere collapse. This is the warp speed response of the controllers to cull the herd because biosphere collapse has beat them to the intersection. They thought they could play God with the weather without consequence. They're mm-hmm. wrong. They know it. And now they're trying to thin the herd. We have to stop what's happening in our skies because, again, we can avoid that shot. But you have but to you breathe. Can't, the, the atmosphere that we live in, the planet we live on, yes. uh, all of that is something that's far uh, more devastating than global warming or global cooling. You know, I've talked about global poisoning, intoxicating the planet and everything on it, the corruption of the integrity of the structure, where you talk about the human and animal body or the way you talk about the structure of the planet itself. Uh, we live on a physical planet even though we are much greater than physical beings. And even in a worst case scenario, there's a spiritual reality that goes beyond this place. But you're right. As human beings, we've been pretty horrible stewards of this planet rather than defending it and, and look, learning to live along with the, the laws and rules of nature laid down by God that created it all uh, versus the arrogance and the ego of man to create, pretend he can be God and out create something so divine and beautiful and extraordinary. And, you know, I don't want to be mean to all of us, but we deserve what we're getting if we don't step up and stop it from happening. Uh, We see the population reduction most overtly right now through the COVID jabs and all that's transpired. But I've argued for many years the toxicological burden on the planet and what we are dealing with is also greatly diminished uh, the life expectancy, the life quality of life as well of humans on it. And we're just continuing to pile on and add to the mess because arrogant humans uh, believe that uh, they are beyond uh, consequence, beyond the laws of cause and effect, and uh, pretend to be gods of their own, even though we are created in the image of God. I don't believe physically, but spiritually, but we're also given the freedom to screw up horribly. I pray that it's not so horrible that we all perish uh, on this planet, that we might find a way to stop it and, and move forward and create a new, uh, according to the laws of nature and nature's God. With you on all points, Robert. And again, yeah, now is the time when we decide why we're here, what we're made of, what our purpose was. And certainly 
it must be beyond personal pursuits of pleasure, as, as scripture would state as well, correct? I mean, once you see, uh, your guilt remains, and people need to look up and, and see what's happening in our skies and understand that we have a responsibility to mm -hmm. stand against that insanity. And, Do you uh, have very, any upcoming events? You'll be speaking at any events? We have not organized any more events. We've done a number of very large events, all at geoengineeringwatch.org's expense. Our events were always free. Our materials at those events are always free. But we have put that on hold due to CB19, due to gas being $7 plus a gallon now here and nobody wanting to get on a plane. And, you know, this is part of what CB19 has done for them, isn't it? They've been able yeah. to shut down this type of gathering, can't enter the Capitol. I can't, uh, my, my half a dozen trips to the Capitol, my uh, private meeting with Gavin Newsom, who's nothing more than a tool for the power structure, who knows this is going on, but can't do any of that now because of COVID. And, and that's all part of their purpose with that entire scenario, as you know. Yeah. But bottom line is, I want to make this clear. We are fighting for our lives, quite literally. And yes, we can hide from the, the injection, but we can't hide from the air we breathe. And for those who want to know how much they're breathing, if you can find a dark location with no light pollution after a day of heavy aerosol spraying where the, the sky is, you know, certainly murky down below, take the brightest flashlight you can find, aim it straight at the sky and look upward through that beam. It is shocking beyond what I can describe. It has to be seen to be believed. It looks like you're in a blizzard and you're in a blizzard of toxic particles. And again, you have to see it to believe it. We're sucking it up with every breath. And these particles, I want to stress this, they're very bioavailable, which because of their incredibly small size, they're absorbed right through the lung lining into the bloodstream, across the blood brain barrier. And they're very bioaccumulative. They are easily absorbed and hard to get rid of. And it's a very toxic brew. They're toxic in and of themselves. But when you combine these particles, the toxicity can increase exponentially. In the case of aluminum and mercury, when you combine those two already highly toxic metals, the overall toxicity increases as much as 100 times, 10,000% worse. So wonder any of us are walking and talking at this point. And if those in power have their way, we won't be for much longer. We have no. to stop what's happening in our skies. Well, it's a testament to the resilience of creation that we can withstand such assault and punishment, yes. but it also has its limits. And I acknowledge your good works here in raising the alarm bell for a long time. Uh, Dane, have you been to the Red Pill Expo before? Uh, I haven't, not traveling at this point. We have a weekly broadcast called Global Alert News that we pay okay. for out of pocket, uh, non-political, no commercials. We're on uh, on the air, AM and FM and uh 11 major regions around the country and all paid for out of our pocket. So we're, we're focused on numbers at this point, uh, Robert, so that we're, I, I'm unable to leave my workstation, if you will. I have I to focus on our obligations. But uh, again, we, we hope that people at that expo and, and every other arena recognize all the aspects, aspects of climate engineering. It's not just the horizon to horizon trails you see in our skies. It's the seeding of cloud moisture to create these engineered cool down events, these weather whiplash uh, flash temperature swings, uh, all that is geoengineering. And people can go to the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, geoengineeringwatch.org, look at the engineering winter section, engineering drought section, engineering wildfire section. And on that subject, wildfires, we're about to reap the um, full fury of the climate engineers in the West again. They have sowed the seeds again for an epic wildfire season. And we now know, as of two days ago, the huge New Mexico fire was started by federal sources. It's on the cover of the New York Times now. No surprise. And as far as the wildfire goes, whatever the sources of ignition were, climate engineering is the 
issue that's setting the template for these fires to burn with such ferocity. We can say that with absolute mm -hmm. certainty. We have the satellite imagery to prove it. So again, the, the totality of what climate engineering is doing to us, our environment, our atmosphere, our health, cannot be overstated. It absolutely cannot be. Well, Dane Wigginton, thank you for being on board today. I appreciate you and, again, all your efforts to raise the alarm. I know it's a tireless effort, and uh, for many years, very few people were listening. I think more and more are acknowledging the arrogance of a uh, uh, scientific man, so to speak, uh, and the attempts at, uh, well, the proclamations that they're there to help us. In fact, they're there in many ways in cases to, to eliminate us. That's become clear in medicine. Why not clear in I guess, meteorology and all of its strange, uh, you know, manifestations through these technologies. You're completely, completely correct. Agencies like the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, and so-called uh, human health protection agencies, all of those exist to mask threats from the population, not to disclose them. You are completely correct, Robert. Okay. Well, Dane, thank you again uh, for being on board. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll stay in touch on this. And uh, everybody, have been checked out. Check it out. Geoengineeringwatch.org. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. All the best to you, Dane. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. And, and, you know, this is, uh, it's almost overwhelming to have a, a discussion on that topic because, as I said, you feel so powerless, right? There are certain things you can do and have control over. And I've said this as well over the years. Do the things that you genuinely have control over. And at a certain point, you turn the rest over to God. That's not a defeatist attitude or perspective. That just a, if you try to do more than you can do, you can kill yourself in those attempts. Now, in terms of reaching your government agencies, et cetera, I hate to say it's futile, but those people are so bought and sold that you wonder what has to happen in order for this whole system that is destructive to collapse and it might be that system that has to collapse so it can no longer be affordable to do the things that they're doing and i come back even to the federal reserve and that system of uh, printing money out of thin air that's also facilitated and made horrific things possible the black box projects so to speak that do exist even in controversy some people don't want to consider them or conceive of them or it's just too much and then it's like okay i gotta figure out what i can control over and do that and I understand because if, if, if not, you know, you can go insane or just kill yourself over things you have no control over. But I will say, and I, I see some comments in the chat room as well, it's what was going through my mind as we've acknowledged pollution as a reality, not warming or cooling necessarily, although apparently artificially, that pollution itself could be the burden that creates a lot of problems down the road or earlier and earlier on. Me being the canary in the coal mine of my generation very early on. And so what I've had to do is work hard every day to strengthen my resolve, my body's resolve to deal with the toxic burden that I can't control for. I still got to breathe the air. You can filter air in your home, which is probably a good idea. But when you're out, you can't, you got to go out. And even the food that's grown organically outside, as I said, people say, well, why bother? Because it's just going to get contaminated. Well, every bit of reduction is to your benefit and can pay you back a thousand fold. So it is not a, we're doomed and I'm defeated we still do what we're asked to do that which is within our control and yes there's a place for prayer there's a place for turning it over to god or a creator or some higher power that you perceive or believe in to do the things you can't do so that you don't go insane thinking it's just we're done at the same time i have to argue for finding joy in life as well 
because we can immerse ourselves so totally in a mission that may be worthy and worthwhile and important and necessary. But if you never find any moments to laugh, to love, to enjoy life with your loved ones, then what is it all for as well? You could say, well, I'm doing it for the next generation, but are you not worthy to find joy in this lifetime that you're here? It's a very special time. It's a very interesting time as Jeffrey Tucker said as well, to find a space where you have joy as well. And that's part of life. I believe if we are created of God, that we are truly happy beings yet we are put here, placed here, or we choose to be here, however you perceive it to be, to learn things. I think to grow spiritually. I think also to mature spiritually so that we don't do stupid things like kids in a sandbox who have no concept of cause and effect and being adults and doing the same thing and creating havoc and death and destruction all around and having megalomaniac uh, dreams that they put into reality of controlling and owning everything. I, as I've said, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to own or control you or anybody. It's enough. You know, we got enough problems on our own in our own lives to want to take over for everybody else. But in freedom, I think we have all of the opportunities to outcreate the so-called bad guys or the bad players at this point, the people that are behaving badly, etc. Is there a Noah event? Is there a flood event? I mean, is there a Sodom and Gomorrah destructive event that says enough already? Stop it. I don't know. I know that people say, hey, scripturally, this says this and this. I'm never one to predict time frame on that. I'm not. I don't have delusions of grandeur in that realm. I do know that I will acknowledge and recognize things that have semblance of reality or full on reality that can be harsh and ugly and not pleasant that can result in, yes, ailments, illness, death, cancer, etc. At the same time, our focus here, my focus here is also to say, hey, you can do things that even though those things are happening, while you're here, you can reduce the risk to you, not because you're lucky or unlucky or you have good genes or bad genes, but because you apply the principles that I've learned in my life that I try to espouse and teach here and be an example for as well, so that you can overcome great obstacles, ailments, illnesses, etc., and be great at any age. And I know that defies some somewhat logic if you're immersed in certain aspects of 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 um artificial realities, environmental realities as such, it'd be, it'd be like, I can't move. I'm stuck during the headlights. I'm like, that's no way to go through life. So we find a way to find joy in the midst of all of that. I'm going to bring my good pal, my buddy, my producer, super Don back into the mix. See if we can squeeze some joy out of him. <laughs> if he's still with us, not multitasking too much. Uh, super Don, are you present or no, I see it's he's his little thing is in the red zone. So I don't know why, uh, he's having some internet difficulty and I was hearing some strange clicking, as I said, when we had Dane on as well. And I don't know if it was, uh, the relationship between their internet based on heat or other things. Uh, but these are again, uh, har harsh, realities that we live in. But then again, if we look back on history in its totality, we will say the lives we have led in this lifetime have been mild by comparison to the harsh realities of those who have lived at a time when they didn't know if they would survive the day because they didn't have access to food or uh, any number of places on the planet that are very much harsher than living in the West and modern society that has gotten by on, you know, the ease of life because we have slaves. They're called oil, all of us, to provide things that we could never produce in and of ourselves or even with animals, you know, doing the labor for us. So we have lived a bit of an artificial reality in our lifetime for those of you alive today. Some of you have lived 
long years and many decades more than me and have seen transitions from harder lives to easier lives over the time. Yet now we can go, all right, do our lives change and become a little bit harder because of uh, economic realities artificially induced by a Federal Reserve policies, et cetera. Yeah, all of this is real too. But in the midst of that, finding time for joy, prayer, worship, celebration, song, dance, entertainment. I find that something that, you know, even I have a sometimes a hard time slowing down enough to find a celebration, to be a, a celebration or participate in a celebration as well. So don't lose sight of that. As Super Don reconnects, I think his computer may have crashed in that regard. So we have a bit, a bit of good news. Let me see if I can find a couple of articles here. Uh, the fed, a federal court has ordered the EPA to re-examine whether Roundup causes cancer. Speaking of environmental poisons and toxins, a uh, federal's appeal court has ruled that the EPA must take another look at whether the key ingredient in the weed killer Roundup poses a cancer risk, although the product will remain on the market for now. Now, so it's a mixed bag. At one level, the EPA says, yeah, you can't dismiss that it could be problematic. On the other hand, we could stop this nonsense today if everybody stopped buying Roundup. There'd be no market for it. And then it would be over. And, and, you know, this is where we come back to like things like Orange Guard. There are good people that have put out good environmentally safe products to manage pests and weeds and things that are not destructive of all life, you know, in the midst of trying to eliminate certain things. So if you haven't uh, plugged into Orange Guard, go to orangeguard.com and please support uh, a great company putting out a very clean product. So clean, in fact, as I showed you yesterday, I squirted it in my mouth. I wouldn't do that with a Roundup any more than anybody that knows anything about Roundup would do that. But as a, a safe cleaning agent, pesticide, et cetera, delimine. Orangeguard.com. Check it out. We have links up. And I think Super Don, when he sends out the email blast, may have included um, that information as well uh, to uh, get to Orange Guard. Uh, the Supreme Court has uh, apparently uh, rejected Bayer's bid. Bayer, of course, you know, bought Monsanto to stop all the Roundup lawsuits. Supreme Court has rejected Bayer's appeal to shut down thousands of lawsuits claiming it's Roundup weed killer causes cancer. So again, there are some good things at the same time, but if we're waiting for the EPA and the Supreme Court to do the right thing all the time, you're waiting for a Godot. This is something that can only happen when you say enough, I'm no longer buying this stuff. And when everybody stops buying it, they stop selling it. Not a good day for Bayer. No, but... Still not a great day until the people stop buying their products. Ultimately, that's the remember that Saturday at live takeoff on uh, one of those wines. Uh, we will sell no wine before, before you buy it's it. Time. Yes. No, before you buy it. Right. right. And that's the, the point original of, was before it's time. Yeah. But we'll sell no wine before we'll sell no <clears> pesticide <throat> before you buy it. Stop buying glyphosate roundup. Start buying orange guard, for instance. That's well, and stop, stop supporting uh, the use of glyphosate by eating organic versus... Uh, that as well. You're right. Yeah. You're nailing it on all levels there, Super D. Welcome back, my friend. Glad uh, you were able to re re reboot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, two-thirds of working parents are burned out. This is your uh, poll question of the day you sent out in today's email blast, isn't it? Yeah. Not, not the most participated in poll that we've <laughs> done, but I kind of narrowed it down to basically parents. So uh, anybody who's not a parent apparently couldn't uh, couldn't participate. Participate, yeah. but yeah, way to be exclusionary. A... Hey, man, mm -hmm. come on now. Two thirds mm -hmm. of working parents are burned out, according to a study. Mm -hmm. And so I put the question out there: 
Uh, yeah. how, how about you, about you and, or, you your and or your partner? I tried to be as inclusive as possible there okay. because, you know, if the person reading the newsletter uh, was not a working parent, then, yeah. you know, so anyway, it still didn't really work as well as I'd like. But anyway. You know, you've been doing some good polls. It's all, every once in a while it's, you can throw out a stinker. It's, it's, it's okay. all right. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know what? We just have like this really, pardon my French, badass audience. <laughs> they, they, you know, it's like they they aren't bothered by stuff. They handle mm -hmm. stuff. They take care of themselves. So I'm very pleased. Fifty one and a half percent say that uh, no, they're they're not burned out. Okay. Uh, followed by forty percent that said yes. In mm -hmm. Robert's category, not sure. Not sure. Yeah. I don't know how you're not point, sure. How could you not know if you're yeah? But in any case, um, you know, self care is a big part of that, mm -hmm. and a lot of people lack in that. Yeah, and you know, as long as you're practicing good self care, then your chances of of dealing with burnout as a parent mm -hmm. um, are going to be, you know, better. But um, you know, I I think of my daughter mm -hmm. who has two sons on the autism spectrum. Oh my gosh, yeah. Talk about potential for burnout, right? Yeah. And I know there's some there's some parents in in the audience that are listening that uh, you know they, that, they that know. are dealing with the same type of thing. And so if you aren't dealing with the, with parent burnout, then you are superhuman, and mm -hmm. I admire you, and you get ten thousand bonus points because uh, that's quite a task. You know but, when you know, we went case, to Autism One conference years ago, you were there with me, and Liam was there, and um, yeah. we saw the parents. You know, for, for many of them, some of them were the first time they ever had moments alone to be able to be human in, the, in their own right themselves because of the overwhelming totality of having to care for a child on the spectrum, especially those that are severely into the autism spectrum. And right. so uh, I encourage you, if you haven't been to an Autism One conference before, to meet us in uh, Mesa, Arizona, uh, August 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21. And I think it's very inexpensive to go relative to a lot of things right now. It's like ninety nine bucks or something like that. Yeah, and the and the and the uh, the tickets. I'd say the hotels like seventy nine bucks a night. It's like these are like nineteen eighty nine prices or something. So if you could make it to that event in the summer, that would be a great thing to do. I'll be speaking about copper. I'll be interviewing folks, broadcasting as well. And one of the things in follow up to the Dane uh, Wigington interview, which is. You know, it's it's a depressing subject. I acknowledge if you start looking at all of these things, you're going, well, what can we do? I also reminded, and I don't know if you heard that while you were having to reboot your computer, that we have to find joy in life, even in the midst of what we might perceive as chaos and evil and horrible, demented people that are trying to, you know, kill us or ruin the, the planet. You've got to find those moments of celebration that life, you know, it's fleeting. It comes and it goes. But to do things that can extend the time you have here, this valuable life we have while we're here, and find a way to celebrate the time we have together in the midst of that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right about that. If people say, hey, how can you be celebrating while somebody's starving around the planet? It's like, you can't live that way. <laughs> yeah, you'll die of stress at an early age. Exactly. So I just wanted to remind folks about that, even though, yes, we cover serious subjects here that are not pleasant to cover. But at the same time, be guided from the highest place possible, however you connect to the source of all sources, and let it guide you as to what you can do and that which you can't to turn it over to that higher power. That's where it's legitimate. I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm going to eat all the junk food I can, all the fast food I can, and then I'm going to pray it away. I think that's a slacker position. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I just think that's not. <laughs> and then you go out, I'm an environmentalist, right? You eat glyphosate. Uh, I'll, you pointed that out there, Super D. 
So good perspective on that. Anyway, we're still banned on on Facebook. We don't know why. And yeah, I got to figure out. Uh, we can how post, to find but out. they won't let us stream. Yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to find out why. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I just need to find some kind of form that you fill out. I'm sure they've got one there on Facebook for general questions and ask. So yeah, or if somebody um, knows, let us know. Yeah, uh, Stephen says an idea for a new marketing slogan: Orange Guard, eighty-three thousand or eighty-three hundred times more effective than Roundup, and so non-toxic you can safely drink it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Kills oh, on contact God. may be used around food, humans, and pets. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It is amazing stuff. It really yeah. is. So, is. Super Don, it's your fault I didn't show my muscles today. So, I'm just saying, but get, get the idea. My one. fault? Well, I asked you, and I don't do anything that you tell wow. me. You know, it's like you're the boss here. and Oh, I am. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, you'd like that? Yes, I know. Hey. A whole different show now. What we're covering, anyway. No, you know what? I gotta say, it's, you know the, the the show is is uh, is is even better than it was before, thanks to our buddy Kevin, who yeah. you know is is booking these guests. It, it's it's just you know, you you pull up the calendar and suddenly it's like, what? Oh, look at that! You know, this person, that person, that person yeah. you know. So I pop in every once in a while. And I'll bring on somebody. I get I get credit for uh, Jeffrey Tucker for Jeffrey Tucker. But that was man, fun. Wasn't that, wasn't really, that a great? Wasn't I enjoyed great? that. I enjoyed that. And and like right. I said, he's super smart, dude. Right, oh, dude. The dude is smart. yeah. He's a. And, know, but he can know. apply the principles of in- integrity and intellectual integrity into a lot of different areas. So he was able to go with me into that so-called healthcare sector and public Dude, health realm and you not guys miss are cut from the same cloth i mean it yeah. was just you know the back and forth the, the the chemistry was great i'm looking forward to having him on again um because yeah. he can speak to a lot of things and and who knew that he had the knowledge that he had about viruses and mm-hmm. and 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 you know germs and i don't i don't think he, and stuff, right he seemed to think it was not a big deal but you and i know it is a big deal because many people that are super smart in that realm have never considered these things Yet more people are. I acknowledge that the yeah. last couple of years have caused people to start applying that intellectual integrity and critical thinking skills to an area where it, they've been kind of turned it over, as I kept pointing out, to that elite medical ruling class. And that's right. got to end. And I think the libertarian, liberty minded folks have also been at fault in turning over their their brains to the medical system and saying, oh, they know something. They don't. They're actually disasters. And that's where we've got to get to. Uh, we've been here for a long time and i'm glad more people are joining us so thank you for being a part of the robert scott bell show we're going to take a quick break shout out to our friends on uk health radio and 60 seconds from now we'll be back for the bonus round i don't know i don't have an agenda if you've got a question or a comment bring it or else we're going home early today thanks for being here the power to heal is yours All right, Super D, great show. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker was amazing. Uh, Dane really brought what he he knows better than anybody, which is not a fun subject, I acknowledge. But I think uh, it's an important aspect to all of the threats that exist. And then I get to that philosophical place where I'm going, dude, I can't, I can't do everything. And I have to make peace with what I can do and then turn the rest over, right? I think that's a healthy way to go about it as opposed to pretending you can't do anything and turning it all over, which I think arguably is a little irresponsible, but you know, everybody's got to make their way and figure it out. 
Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, looking at the chat room here. Uh, Christy says, FYI, despite passing a law in Tennessee for the over-the-counter sale of ivermectin, some Tennessee pharmacies are still refusing to fill prescriptions for ivermectin, for ivermectin? And namely yeah. Walmart, Walmart is what she brings up. Well, Walmart can just like dry up with China, right? At that point, <laughs> go elsewhere, support the companies, the businesses that support your freedom. Pretty simple. I know that at a time when money is tight and they're making it worth less and less and less, Walmart's still enticing because the, the, the inexpensiveness relative to other things. So everybody's got to make their decision on how, but I wish we were more locally oriented instead of artificially cheap stuff from China still or that concept. Uh, but we got to grow our own food again. We got to come back and do more of that, not less, in order to be able to withstand some of these things that are happening right now, much less coming on down the pike as well you know it was interesting jeffrey tucker was talking about you know the, the the tanking of the dollar the exporting of inflation i discussed and and things like that mm-hmm. um you know there are those like if you listen to mike adams update you know that the the, the, the dollar is going to tank and be destroyed and everything's done at the same time there are other arguments and opinions to be said that no it's not over yet it's just another lengthening and stretching of something that yes eventually can't contain you know the the inevitable collapse and it's like Mm -hmm. that's the thing about predicting when i don't know when but i know that we've had enough hints that are not just whispers now about supply chain difficulties that if you haven't started storing food and or preparing and and growing and things like this summer uh, there can be some severe problems i don't think it's out of the realm of likelihood that there will be shortages this winter does it mean a total collapse i don't know again i I'm not the guy that predicts timing on these things. I would just say that. Well, here's the way I look at it. And you know how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the, the prediction that we're talking about has been going on for as long as we've been live. And sure. Of course. Uh, the end of the world. Uh, w- will it come at some point? Of course it will. But, you know, we, we don't know when. And every prediction, you know, everybody's got their prediction as to when it's going to happen. And none of them have been right. Fortunately, we're here, (laughs) you know, right? Um, So, yeah, you know, I tend to um, be one of those people that would agree with somebody like, um, you know, Jeffrey Tucker. In that, you know, while eventually the cloud has to to happen. I mean, it just has to happen one Mm. way or another. How it will happen, we don't know. We don't know how exactly it's going to happen. One one theory is, you know, uh, apocalypse, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll be like a Mad Max in the Thunderdome or something like mm-hmm. that. That's one. And a lot of people have a tendency to gravitate towards that scenario mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know why, but that's I want the Tina one that, Turner in the Thunderdome. Yeah, right. <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you know, it's like it's either we're at where we are now, or you know, we're we're Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we're looking at probably something in between there mm-hmm. where it's not a complete all the way on one side where, you know, everybody suddenly turned into the Waltons, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know. Little House on the Prairie, you yeah. know, it's I don't know that that is where it's going to go, mm-hmm. um, but they've got a lot of tricks in their bag and they obviously have been been using them over time. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that there have been times, you know, I'm trying to remember what was the name of the uh, the stockbroker guy? They got really popular during the Ron Paul. Oh, is he doing the the gold stuff now too? He might be, and I can't remember what his name is. 
But he, he, that guy has been been doing the doom and gloom thing, and that's what he's known for, basically, mm-hmm. for a long time. Oh, it's all gonna crash! It's all, you know, and it's gone up and down, like you know, it, mm-hmm. it does and stuff. And you know, the the longer you predict that that things are going to explode, eventually, mm-hmm. you're gonna be right. Maybe yeah. if it happens in your lifetime, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna go with what you you were kind of saying there towards the end of of hour two. Mm-hmm. Don't get lost in it. Yeah. Don't miss all of the good things that are happening in life. Amen. And all yeah. the positive things that are happening in life because you're so focused on all the terrible things that might happen. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to miss a lot and your kids are going to miss you. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't mean that you're ignoring it, like uh, putting your head in the sand. In it. You have to find a time because it's a great gift to be here and to be alive balance and yeah there's got to be joy in life too and so don't let anybody stop you from finding ways to enjoy life i know that when you're in misery maybe some people get upset seeing other people not in misery i'm like misery loves company right? i know i like to see people enjoying life too because it makes me happier it uplifts me and it reminds me oh yeah there's stuff to celebrate if i get too far you know gone into it now I have been researching things like this for many decades, long before I became a homeopath, even, uh, you know, always interested in how the world really works and intrigued about spiritual stuff from an early age as well. And there were times early in my studies that I was deeply disturbed and frightened by all that I had come across, learned about. And I had to find a way to balance out those realities as ugly and, you know, demonic in some cases that they are that exist on this planet. They coexist with the good people that are here that are loving people and spiritual people and all of that. And they both exist somehow on the same planet. And yet we would still try to diminish the, uh, the threat and, or the reach of those people doing horrible things, especially to children, recognizing though, that those things have pre predated us and perhaps will go on beyond us on this plane and planet, maybe on another plane and planet or existence that doesn't exist. That's what I would perceive. But for here, here, for some reason, it's a, it's a ground of, you you know people try anything and everything and hopefully they learn and do better when they know better as i point that's another theme about witnessing the, the resurgence of doctors and nurses waking up because they finally know better and they're finally trying to do better not all of them but those that are, are also calling out their fellow doctors and nurses to do better because they know better and stop living in cognitive dissonance the same time to come together and celebrate even like the nurse freedom network kimberly overton who hosted me at the uh, the nashville slash franklin tennessee event there were times of laughter and smiling and, um, you know, joy in the midst of recognizing, yeah, we're, we're up against a lot that's not so nice, that's darn ugly. But you find a way to get together. I think that's why it's important to get together. If you can't travel, like Dane says, he's not traveling, find groups locally that you can get together with other human beings that you can be with, that you can laugh together. That's so darn important. <laughs> can't overstate that. That isolation that they artificially tried to put us in for two and a half years has not been to our benefit other than to perhaps wake us up and say how that's the wrong way to go. And in that sense, you could say, yeah, that's a benefit. So what else we got? Um, Comments, questions coming in. Kevin has a question. I'm reading this right now. When I was in the air force, I was in public affairs. Civilians would call us to complain about various things. I always seem to get the call from the area psychic after the fact. We would have an F-16 crash on a training flight, and he would call us to t- let us know that he knew that would happen. 
it's never helpful before anything happens. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I knew that was going to happen, Super Don. I'm psychic. Well, you didn't tell you me before psychic. it happened. Only you, are, you are the, what would be the male version of this? You're the Southern Bow medium. The southern Bow medium. Instead there of the go, Southern right? Bell medium. Instead of the Southern Bell. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if I was in Boston tonight, I'd be going to see a beautiful noise musical. Okay. You know that there's a Neil Diamond no. musical based on his life called A Beautiful oh, Noise. Oh, a Neil Diamond musical. Man, yeah. I I man, I am so disappointed that I'm missing that. I know you are. You want the I know you want the Barry Manilow Life Achievement Award or something. I but, don't know that he has a musical. He should. Yeah. But this is a musical about his life and then through his music, of course, and it's uh, opening in Boston for a month or so and then I think it's going to move to Broadway in New York. Okay. Not that I'll probably ever get to see it unless it tours, but uh, that sounds like it'll be a fun fun show. All right. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Um, just taking a look. You know, the newsletter went out this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the stuff that we didn't get to that was in the newsletter that is uh, seemingly very popular. People are reading things about the uh, five new th the five things that you need to remove from your house immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting article about how early vaccines were tested on enslaved people. Did you know that? Oh yeah, that was interesting, that. huh? Yeah, smallpox and different things like that. Yeah, yeah. it's some so, some horrible uh, origin point stories of vodka, cow, smallpox. Very smallpox, interesting. Yeah. You know the history of these things. There's uh, mm -hmm. an article about how to eat like the world's longest living people. Uh, what fruits can you eat on a keto diet? Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one about turmeric uh, and the use of turmeric. It's actually a CRG article. Um, so if you guys have not gotten plugged into that, you can, uh, sign up over on the website where we try to make it as easy for you as possible. You can actually pick up your smartphone mm -hmm. and you can text RSB to 22828 and, uh, it'll get you signed up and you'll be able to get the newsletter and, uh, notices of upcoming events and mm -hmm. special deals on stuff and the poll of the day and who knows what else I can find some time to do. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. All right. So upcoming uh, guests this week. Let's take a look at the calendar. See what kind of surprises we have. Tomorrow, it doesn't look like anything's on. Hopefully Ty will show up, Ty Bollinger. But I'm excited about Thursday. We have Joni Abbott, my good friend from Homegrown Health. I've been looking forward to having her on for a long time. Yep. She has got some stories to tell about her own journey okay. that I am excited to hear about. Uh, we also have, uh, of course, Jonathan Emort hopefully will be with us. Who is this on Friday, the 24th? Fiona Price? Fiona the ultimate Price. Relationship? A, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, the ultimate relationship.co.uk. Okay. And the one with yourself. Oh, look at that. that looks interesting. See, what's going on with Fiona Price? What is this about? See, this is one of those Kevin things. It just it kind of pops up. Hey, it's go, really cool. I mean, we're getting some great diversity of, of discussions and topics and things. I hope you all are enjoying it as much as I am. I just enjoy, I, I love it. I love being able to do this. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions, just send them our way. Now we have the ability to get people on the show like never before. I like it. All right. Well, that's what we got for today. You have any questions or comments? You can always uh, submit them at the website, and you can also leave us a voicemail at 866-939-2355, 866-939-BELL, and we will play it on the air, mm -hmm. unless it really sucks, and then we'll just <laughs> leave it where it's at. All right, and please join us for our uh, AMA on Saturday. It'll be 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. So morning to midday, if you're in Europe, uh, it's not as ridiculous like when we do our evening ones, but sometimes people show up anyway. We'll look forward to seeing you there on Zoom, 
interacting, see what else we can gather to do some giveaways as well. But uh, there'll be one huge prize for somebody that joins us. It's not going to be an easy question, though. You have to work for this. Dude, one. I don't know if I can. You know, that's a lot of pressure. I know. How do I come up with a trivia question that's worth $300? Well, I think we're going to have to work on that together, maybe. Come up with some things. I don't even know if there is such a thing, but uh, that's like game show level type stuff. That's like <laughs> game show level. <laughs> anyway. Are you calling me a right. game show host? Are You are Monty Hall. Yes. The Monty Hall of Health Talk Radio. I could do it. <laughs> that's right. As long as I don't have a script, I can do it. All right. All right, thank man. You good show today. Had fun. I got to turn off the light. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Going off the air, y'all. Till tomorrow, less than 22 hours from now. God willing. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much. still yeah. doing here so i think jeff hold on uh, hold on we're still on the air hey <laughs> hey y'all